the right movement to clamp down with your iron fist. Drugs became conveniently available for all the kids. Following the right movement to clamp down with your iron fist. Drugs became conveniently available for all the kids. again because we already did we already did the corn one we already <laughs> did uh i guess just the corn one but it's good to come back to home talk about some of my favorite bands of all times should have pulled out the cd case i keep forgetting to do that for references but as always i'm here with chris myers yay producer chris myers and super fan justin mcirving to uh, talk a little bit about this band that we love so much uh, for me in high school, like obsessively, obsessively in high school. It was like, uh, maybe not this album. The first album was more my gem because I felt like this one was a little bit more shoved down my throat because of its popularity and it's like hype and MTV2, I just constantly saw that toxicity video like on a fucking, it was that and like uh, duality. That Slipknot, you know? I don't remember Duality, that one. Is. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Duality, thing. but... No, it was this. Yeah. Fucking Papa Roach. Uh, any of those fucking new metal bands from, yeah. like, that time. You don't remember the whole Iowa constant. videos? Okay, well... 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the corn video, I remember that when we were talking about that. That one's like oh, more iconic. Oh, God, the fucking POD video, dude. Uh, just one. Also alive for the very first time. And I think. What, were they in a gutter? They were like just in a, like a gully. Wasn't duality on volume three? It's not Iowa. Duality? Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Volume three. Oh, sure. we were already up to that point, I guess. Um, damn, I, I have no oh, idea, yeah. yeah. I thought, well, this is 2001, this album came out, right? Uh, Toxicity, mm-hmm. which makes it 18 years old today. Happy birthday. But it seems like it would be older. For some reason, this is like, we've done a lot of reviews, and this is kind of the newest one we've done, like album-wise, like up to date. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Most like current album, if you will. Everything else has been pretty damn old. I was trying to tell y'all to jump on that tool anniversary. Oh, that would be like, and it's three days old, two weeks old. Um, I still haven't listened to that full, all the tool. We can get into that another time. It's it's a long album, so we can definitely talk about that before. But this is 2001, right? Mm-hmm. And think of the bands that were coming out in this time frame. This is like the the Magnus of like that new metal which, in my opinion, I would never call them a new metal band. No, System of a Down definitely has a very, very wide genre they're pulling from. You know, everything from progressive jazz to like polka music. You know, and they using just have their tons of influences. yeah, and using their roots as um because they're from uh help me out here. There are many in America, Glendale, California. But what was it? There are many in American. Right. They uh. Some would say they would use some of those like uh, sounds from their cultural music, or I don't know the right word for this, but uh, like the drum beats, for instance, very tribal. Mm-hmm. And you they know, like more... the song. Uh, what was the song? Forest. On this album, that's very like it's just a bunch of flutes oh, and pan whistles. Yeah. Or the last song you mean? The last song. Yeah, that Arto. Yeah. Yeah. They exactly. use, they on the, they used a lot more of what is it? Like world instruments on this album compared to like the previous one. Oh, for sure, yeah. I can feel it. Just sounds that way. It's uh, it's such a great album from start to finish. We're talking fifteen tracks. Is that included the um, that last song? Yeah, it was like team with it. So yeah. kind of like fourteen, but yeah, fifteen because you know like a lot of bands in this time were always have that first track is just like thirty seconds of an opening to get into the second track. So like or that last know. track is like there's hidden songs. This is like of that era of CDs where you hide some songs. Like hide like, songs at the very <laughs> end or like I love it. album. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it like how albums could change colors based on their heat or like <laughs> there were so many fun album things uh, CD-wise. I don't know mm-hmm. why they're not a thing anymore. Everyone thinks they're corny. Digital. It's hard to you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Because the CD gets all scratched up. Because it's digital. Like lost. No, no one's making CDs anymore. Yeah. Well, even if you were to print it, like make a hard copy, everyone was like, oh, vinyl. But a CD is more practical. I mean, this is yeah. my argument with vinyl just stands music. Vinyl the time. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's still a huge waste environmentally, but, you know. But, you know, that's the sound quality is like, great, time. man. You want to get that real warm sound, that um, natural. <laughs> like, 180 gram vinyl. Step your fuck. game up. Whatever, I do not think about that. Uh, like you're saying, with the, the best form of like listening, you know, evolving their sound on this album, it definitely, you know, they're pulling from a lot of different genres, pulling from a lot of different influences, and like the stark contrast for me from this one, from their first one, would be like 
they really dropped a lot of just the hardcore, heavy, more punk elements, and then, you know, more evolved the sound. Yeah. So they're getting more into, like, harmonizing the vocals. Serge is doing a lot more singing on this. And like we were talking earlier with, like, the stuttering inside the lyrics, like, I love that shit. Yeah, so, like, there's a lot of, like... Uh like a lot of, well, is it, were you just referring to it as stuttering or like where he like talks like real quick in between like the verse and the chorus? Like he'll just throw in a little like talk real fast into the mic and fucking. Yeah. It's, well, it's kind of corny, but it kind of adds up. Tricks yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, dude, talking about this album, listening to this album again and like thinking about it in like the way you would write music, everyone is one step behind. The drummer is always behind the beats when the bass player is on top of it and the guitar player is ahead of it. And then Serge picks and chooses his time frame of where he wants to land that beat or yeah. that, that vocal pattern. And it's so crazy that all three of them kind of just, it kind of moves like in the threes, like one, two, three, one, two, three, because it's all drums, bass, and then guitar. And it's just overlapping so well. Does anyone else hear that when you listen to it? Well, yeah, there's where it's just definite a three piece in a sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing weird pauses, breakdowns. Doing weird drums are doing a whole different like sort of syncopated beat. Exactly, like, a what lot the, of syncopation to what like the guitars are doing for real. But it like gives it that groove. You know, they're like kind of in that weird pocket of like it. It's, it's like it, world music, but heavy. You know what I mean? Like the drums are doing like oh heavy the, the, is fucking. It's not a traditional not like four on the floor. Is. It's like even though the riff might be like a four on the floor type exactly. of riff. Yeah, like, that's that's the, the thing, yeah. and it's yeah, he was really uh, that's why uh, so many people, and I'll get more into this later on. Uh, just think of that drummer as such like an amazing fucking drummer, and I just would love to see him in more projects. But I mean, getting up to this, uh, we always talk about like. When is the first time did you hear this album? I, was it in 2001? I mean, we were alive then. I was 14. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was in middle school. I remember, like, pretty damn, like, it coming out. I felt on like TV when it came out, yeah. All but I think it was like 2002. I it's really, it was like, it was already like on this roller coaster of just becoming this really yeah, successful album. I think album, that's where so. I like started to get into it. So it kind of lasted a while and people kept talking about it. And that's when things kind of lasted a while. When a movie came out in the movie theaters, it took six months to come out to VHS or DVD. It took a long time to get there, you know what I mean? And albums didn't lose their momentum right away either, especially uh, like really good albums. They just kept going for like months, years. The tourist keeps going and then you go like worldwide tour, right? I mean, they went on tour with everyone working their fucking ass off, dude. Yeah. A young band getting that first, you know. Let's let's get I mean, a little bit. Even yeah. Today they they're still working and playing shows while not even putting out albums. It was like yeah. sort of. I don't think they need to, right? It was like taking that whole tool route of like just coasting on. <laughs> but they've like sold so much and you know been nominated and won yeah. and like done you know gotten all these like things. Do they really need? They could just literally tour on the name alone. They've gotten to that point. They're like of modern rock, that big of a staple. Even with not even that many albums. That's that's the weirdest part about it. Is this is their that, second yeah. album, and it's like it's kind of a huge. They're, oh, it's, it's without a doubt. Yeah. short-lived career in some ways that they just had those five. But I can't believe memorize, uh, memorize, hypnotize, memorize. God, I was right on that first one. <laughs> uh, those albums were very successful too. Oh yeah. And that blows my mind because on that path, they were kind of going down this weird direction, in my opinion. But 
I think I was going down. Well, they did the they did. I the, should go back and listen to those. Besides, albums. maybe the debut and when they first came out, they did they did the Guns N' Roses thing where like they had that huge hit, put out a weird you know steal this album slash weird spaghetti incident yeah, whatever right. the fuck bunch that of is. Sides and yeah. rarities pretty and then, much for the most part. And then they follow that up with this dual concept masterpiece that then propels them. You know, as far as like. They both kind of did that, you know? Yeah. How many music videos they got for this? Just the two, Aerials and Toxicity, or is there another one? Those are the only two I remember. That's the only two I remember. But you were talking about when the album came out and how big it was. I mean, within the first week, it sold 220,000 copies. First week. God damn. <laughs> God damn. I mean, okay, yeah, so it's a let's... a quarter of a million in one let's, week. Let's kind of talk about, like, how we got to this point, like to this album, if you will. Uh, the band started in 1994 in Glendale, California. And essentially, what were they? Just a bunch of high school friends that never really met each other, well, but went to the same school? No, Surgeon. Or was this sounding familiar? <laughs> Does anyone else have the notes? Yeah, without a doubt. Serge and Darren went to school together, but because of the age difference, they were like eight years apart, uh, so they didn't know uh, each other in school. They just happened to go to the same school. And then afterwards, they came out. Yeah. Afterwards, they came out, and then they were both in two adjacent, two different bands, and then got together and started playing around 92 and started a project called Soil, and that went from 92 to 94. Band. You know, a fun fact, there's another band in, like, that time frame in the 2000s called Soil. Is it Soil? Or, I've heard of a band called Soil Work. <sighs> that might be it. <laughs> Actually, I feel like, oh, I think Soil might have just been a song. No, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> no. My 90s metals melting together. It's this one crazy band. So later on, what? It was like them playing around, still underneath the name uh, Soil, before changing their name. I think that's the whole... But no, there was no album under Soil? There's so, no demos or anything? Yeah, like... Um, no. If Soil you, split up in 97, Surge, and the three other members, <laughs> Darren, and can we just get out of the way? None of us know how to pronounce All right, let's, 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 try to, let's try to say yeah, their names. We're going to just stick names with first right names, because... Uh, yeah, but first names would definitely be better. Surge, you know, uh, Surge you Tankian, Darren, Malik, Malakian, Shavo... Oda, 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 uh, I can't say that. Odigen? Odigen. I don't know. Chavo Odigen. That's good. That's bass. Uh, Darren was guitar. And then uh, John Dolmayan. Which is the drummer. Amazing. John Dolmayan. Yeah. He's on drums. So, back to the soil split up. So, it was Surge. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> We're just going to say Surge. Surge T. Yeah, so Surge, Chavo, and Darren all were already in soil, and they formed a new band, System of a Down. And the group actually took the name from one of Darren. His, uh, he wrote a poem called Victims of the Down, and they dropped out victims and replaced for system. And that's how they got the name. Because of their uh, inspiration from Slayer. Slayer is very political, so they were like... Wanted, I guess, to take a political stance. It's just a weird coincidence that 
a lot of people say, oh, they love fucking Slayer. They love fucking Slayer. I've never heard them say that, but a lot of research we were doing, they kept saying yeah, they that kept, over and over again. I kept seeing them mentioned along with Slayer. And then like, what? Like Rick Rubin just happens to I'm see saying. them? The producer oh, of fucking Slayer is like, hey, you want to come over to the same album, like record label that fucking... Really? Uh, As Slayer's on? Uh, it just it blows my mind. So that, like, coincidence. Back then, it was just those three, and the first drummer they got was... On, a, <laughs> I can't even say his first name. It, we'll call him Andy. So they had Andy, and that was another one of their old school friends. Played with a band uh, with Darren previously called Snowblind, which if you didn't know, System of Down later went on to do the Nativity in Black Two. That and the song they played Snowblind. was Snowblind. So I was I looked at that kill. and I was like, Are they a Black Sabbath cover band? I just. With the with the name Snowblind, I assume that you're a Black Sabbath cover band, right? I think you have to be. Right? That's what I thought. <laughs> or like at least have a good handful of Sabbath songs in your repertoire. Like you can't just be flying yeah. Snowblind without playing Sabbath. To it's take ridiculous. a take a Sabbath a Sabbath song title and turn it into your band name, that's bold. Especially if you're a metal band. Yeah. You can hide it if you're like super indie or electronica, I'm sure you can get away with but if you're playing metal and you're dropping Sabbath references, you better come with the goddamn thunder. <laughs> New band no is called Children of the Grave. So in 95, they played a few shows and Soil, um, did some demo recordings, but eventually turned it into, like I said, System of a Down from the poem that Darren wrote. Which is like, okay, so we get up to this point where they play like the Whiskey Go-Go. They're just fucking playing around like Los Angeles. Right there on the strip. Everyone's doing it. This is that time. These bands are becoming a hit. Coronary came out. Coronary had their fucking mega hit back in fucking 98. So Death people Jones. are looking for this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seeing a band like System of Down, I mean, I, I think at this point, what was it, like 95 that he they found him or 96 that they played that showcase. Rick Rubin happened to be there in the audience and was like, you guys want to go make an album? And signed them on to America Records. Yeah, so that was Rick Rubin found them at the Whiskey A Go Go playing a show. That was in um, '97. They recorded their final demo, and um, unlike any of their other demos, they released three other ones prior to this, uh, which were just given away or sold at shows. Demo four was made only to be sent to record companies, and then later on, like you were saying with the whole Napster thing, and you know having the rare system of a down with all those hidden tracks that all came from like all that stuff that was previously unreleased. But, uh, Ruben signed the group to American Colombian records system of down game recording with Ruben and engineer Sylvia Macy laying down tracks eventually on their debut album. Also in 97, the band won best signed band from rock city Re- awards. Best signed band? Mm-hmm. So hold on. Let's go back. How long were they grinding as System of a Down before Rick Rubin saw them? Four years? Three years? I mean, not too long. When did I say the demos were from 94 through 97, so like three, three years. Three years, yeah, grinding. Okay, that makes sense. Three years, you got you to gotta stick, st- stick in there, people. If you're going to make it, you got to fucking grind and play a bunch of fucking shows. And that's crazy that Rick Rubin saw them and brought them on. They're, the first album, is it self-titled? Hmm? Fucking love that album. I love it. 
more so at this time when I first heard toxicity way more than toxicity. <laughs> Like, yeah, that it was, be- was because, straight. like you said, it was more like punk more straight. Punk yeah. Yeah. It's just it guitars, weird. drum. You know, they don't it's have any so of this crazy cool. instruments. Yeah, but let's be real. Both those albums are full on bangers. Like every song, start to finish, both yeah. of them. Yeah, and you get in a still this album, and eh, not so much. But I like pizza. It has some pizza good. Pie. It has some oh, good yeah. songs. No, I love still this album. Pizza, pizza pie, pizza pie. What is it? Pepperoni, mushrooms. Of course you would. Can't do it. Uh, it's a fun know. song. They they are known for doing kind of fun songs. There's some good songs. We can on talk that about album. like Pogo, yeah. Dick, where it's kind of like these are like very childish and kind of playful, like um, like song titles and just how they sing it, and it kind of feels this kind of like goofy cartoonist, but like in actuality, like there's an underlining fact of like it being very serious. Well, like he's talking shit, about right? group sex. He's talking yeah. about having sex with a bunch of groupies. But I didn't think of that. I just thought he was like, I didn't think of that when I first heard the yeah, song. Yeah, you think I it's real it was a very playful. playful song. Yeah, yeah. But that's supposed to be the point, and I get that. Like, the doing so many of these episodes, things, yeah. it's like, again, metal is supposed to have this sense of corniness to it. It makes it fun. Like, too serious in, like, what type of metal are we if you become too serious? But the fun it? is the fun, hiding yeah. something that's actually... All these new metal yeah. bands always had, like, these moments where they did fun. Like, uh, Cold Chamber doing uh, that cover of Shock the Monkey. And in the music video, Ozzy's with them and doing the cover with them. And that's just awesome. Uh, I heard um, fucking Disturbed and Maynard doing... Um, God, I can't remember. It might have been a Black Sabbath cover, but that was fucking fun too. And this is all in that time frame. Shame on you, sir. I just, Shame. I don't know. I still listen to that first Stain album a couple of times, just that one song. But all I. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Boo this man! <laughs> Come on, man. Put myself out there. But so, uh, this was uh, that first album. So amazing. And then yeah. what? Like, when did that come out? 1998? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, the first album. Yeah, and like talk about blowing up. So like they went from, you know, doing Ozfest to playing second stage Ozfest. Anybody remember going to Ozfest back in the day? Everybody knows second stage was where it was at. Oh yeah. And then from there (laughs) they just basically blew the fuck up with the commercial play of Sugar and Spiders. And then went from opening for Slayer and Metallica. And then making their way to Ozfest, like I was saying. Following that Ozfest tour though. They toured with Fear Factory, Incubus, and then God, the game headlining. They put on one hell of a fucking show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, and then they became headlining for um, the Sun no, or Sun Snowcore tour with Mr. Bungle, the Ooh. Cat, and Incubus that. as supporting acts. Dude, it must have been a crazy nuts to butts day. Even Incubus has some crazy interesting stuff at times. But man, Mr. Bungle. Early in Incubus there, stuff gets pretty radical. I'm sure like everyone's just um it's fun to like learn how much inspiration, especially bands like System of Down, like heard that first Mr. Bungle album was just like, oh my god, it changes the game. Yeah. It changed That's the game, yeah. right? Full on balls to the walls. Yeah. yeah. And then, it's full on balls. You know, November 98, they actually appear on the South Park album, Chef Aid. Yeah, that's weird. Provide music for the song, uh, Will Chef They Die For com- You? Yeah, but Chef didn't give him a shout out. Or, exactly. Yeah. Every other song on that album is introduced at by the Chef. beginning by Chef, whoever the band is. System of a Down was the only one that was not introduced by Chef. Shaft. Huh. Shafted. Shafted by Chef. <laughs> yeah. five times. Um, Scientologist, man. 
this time the former drummer came back, did some vocals at a few shows for him. That 99. is weird, right? That he I just guess. came and like what? did some shows. Yeah, well, That's you got to think about like we were saying. You know, when Toxicity came out, Surge like just began taking over like the singing and more vocal responsibility on that first album. It is a whole lot of Darren. Like, really? Go back and listen yeah, to a lot I of didn't that. Punk I guess that I didn't really. I know they share vocals, and I've seen the bass player do a lot of like the. Oh, yeah, yeah, without yeah. a doubt, you know, like all over. Uh, I've never seen the drummer sing, but this is the previous drummer. Yeah, which, it makes sense. Drums and vocals being kind of connected. I mean, we saw like Godsmack you know, even that, just right? coming in and doing like the backing <laughs> stuff. Where are all these bands coming from? Yeah, Godsmack, Disturbed, Stained. Because we're in the time frame. Pod. Oh, the story, son of a bitch. All the story. I'm trying to set a time frame. Yeah, trying but to get the you in the mood. Remember, Deftones, corn, with Slipknot. Think about what it's surrounded. Think about what it's surrounded by. I always put uh, Slipknot down and like Slipknot side by side in Cold my mind. chamber. <laughs> you want me to grab the CD case? <laughs> <laughs> Go through it right now. Yeah, I'll list them uh, off, dude. Mud vein. Huh, this I is got another one. My adolescence. <laughs> I fucking love this stuff, dude. It. <laughs> so good. Uh, so uh, after that, I mean, they get into toxicity. I mean, you know, September third, two thousand one. So let's play another fucking song off this bitch. What's the next song we're gonna play? Beatles. We're just like playing in the order. We're gonna be here for a while. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Disguise, all the stomach pains and the walking of the kings when you 
want to tell me what that song's about? I, again, I just thought a playful song. I thought it was oh, drugs. Yeah. Is it about drugs? It's called Needles. It's called Needles. It's all about stomach pains <laughs> and, you know. Oh, this all makes sense. Controlling him where he goes. I thought it was all a thing for heroin, you know. It, and isn't the guitar player... Uh, oh, sitting in my room like, with a needle songs, in like my hand. Most of these songs. Waiting well, for it, the I just didn't know. Did he have a drug addiction at one point? Ooh, it's actually, it's actually that, yeah, yeah, really about someone, uh, a friend. I'm not sure about that, but it's kind of like based the lyrics on a person. were written by both of them. Yeah. The music by both of them, Serge oh, okay. and Darren. It's fucking banging song and so yeah. dynamic, and it takes so many turns and twists and pauses and. You don't even think you're listening to the same song, you know? And then think about the next song that comes in, you know? It's it's immediately, yeah. It's yeah. it's like again, when <laughs> this is one of those albums when you play that first song, Prison Sex, what does it do? It goes. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with this? And then it keeps doing it, keeps doing it at weird times, and then dun 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 dun. And it's so much yeah. louder. And you're like turning your fucking CD player down because you jumped out of your fucking seat on the school bus because the, the song list, the way that the album flows is like, I think a big reason why it is like so highly regarded. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they, I think like, if, if any of these songs were swapped around, so I don't think it usually would. Usually you would put the hits towards the beginning, right? Like uh, Ariel's is like the last song. Second or third song on most albums. Yeah. But yeah, but, Ariel's is like fucking pretty down on the list. Chop Suey Holy. is like in the middle and then... Toxicity is twelve. Yeah. So oh right. It's all at the end. Those are the three music videos. Yeah, those are the three yeah, music videos, like, yeah. and I think the singles. Ariel's was like in the desert yeah. with that kid with the really big eyes. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Boy, I it's did not remember I, what it was. And then once the one I where just, they're in the white room, that's toxicity, right? White room, and the dude's wearing like the hockey jersey. Yes. Aaron, just, dum, 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 dum. I thought toxicity. Oh. They were on that stage outside. No, toxicity is the white room, and the, oh, camera, that's the camera's like yeah. panning real fast, like doing crazy. Or they like jump in the air and like freeze frame go around. Was that? Dude, that was the new metal move, man. The jump, and then that evolved into like the guitar swing. <laughs> the jazz. Yeah. So oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That like knees to the chest. Yeah. Go back and watch any Lincoln Park video ever. They're all about to jump. Ryan it's used really to tell is. me, yeah. dude, I do my Linkin Park jump. And then oh my God. four feet off the ground. <laughs> the guitar <laughs> player, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Even Not the DJ is like fucking oh, yeah. jumping over the board. It was all about the jumps, man. It's Go back ridiculous. and look. New metal. Fucking ridiculous. So, okay, they, they hit the fucking studio in 2001 or when? 2000 to record this? Really doesn't matter. I 2001. Guess. Yeah, I couldn't uh, find the like record date. Yeah. Like, you know, so uh, the recorded date, but yeah. It so, was, what did they have in mind when they went in there? Like, what kind of like mindset were they looking to create something way more dynamic, almost fucking dramatic? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like you said, there's a Darren, lot of like. Yeah, uh, Darren said he, this is like they were heavily music, inspired by the Beatles on this album. This is yeah. like their Beatles album, mm. where they're, you know, it's high, high concepts. The music is arranged in such a way that it's real listenable there's like catchy hooks you know it seems like this could have been a double disc but i mean it also has some insane like instruments yeah yeah sitar banjo keyboards pianos like it goes on and on man and most of the guitar is actually recorded in drop c mm-hmm. which Super. i did not know i figured they were drop d just yeah power all the way because they're playing normal six string four string bass 
you know, six string guitar. Those guitar riffs are heavy as fuck, dude. Heavy as fuck. What's that one song that just comes in where it's just like the guitar is so fucking all the guitar riffs are super fucking crunchy on this. Yeah. Like just fucking holy fuck. <laughs> like that's how I describe them is like, damn, that's I mean, heavy I think at the hell. time too, they're doing that, you know, they're doing the uh besides surge, the music end is just a big three piece. So you need like and then at that time too, everything's getting heavier and heavier. So if you use one guitar player, you need that a sound sense. like a wall of sound. You need to like drop tune it. You need to have a lot. I remember uh, you saw them. You've seen them a few times, right? I've seen them one. And you've seen them a I've few seen times. Them one or one. Yeah. I've seen them twice. So, but like, and I was amazed at how well they sounded. Like, yeah, without a doubt, for like, just yeah, how loud it was, and just being yeah. You know what like, I did? Well, I I do think I saw them twice. Was it two thousand and five? They played Ausfest. Yeah, yeah, and then we saw and them at they, AT&T yeah. Center. And they played 2006. Oh, then I saw them three times. So, I can't really remember, but... Something like that. Yeah. But when, what blew my mind I is, like you were saying, breaking up. you know, they're going just straight four-piece, just on stage, and they sound intense, they sound heavy, and yeah. it sounds all pulled together. But then you go and see, like, Korn, and, like, Korn has, like, a whole other band with them <laughs> to, like, get the sounds from yeah. the albums. Like, That's true. Yeah. It's... It's impressive it was, for them to be able to get the sounds they put on this album out live. Yeah. Hence what makes everyone in this band so fucking good in their out, like own right uh, to fill in those blanks. Uh, why so many people that don't even play drums would tell me all the time, like, dude, that drummer from System of a Down, fucking amazing, awesome. These are people that are not like drummers. They don't sit there and like study, but they know the drummer in this band is fucking amazing. They might not even know his name, but they're like, dude, the drummer in System Down always kills it. Yeah. Uh, fucking the guitars always just, you know, uh, those riffs are amazing. Those uh, time frames and that the heavy balls bass, dude. Yeah. There's not even a lot really of solos, really. He's not doing a lot no, of, it's just really, like, yeah. it's good it's songwriting. It's like. Yeah. Groove, it's grooves. Grooves. Fucking hooks. Crunch, crunch, crunch. The guitar it's lines kind of the formula are, for new metal, if you will. Or how people would describe it. No solos, uh, a lot of riff. Yeah. yeah, usually drop detuning, just that one yeah. power chord fucking thing. Which we can call that first album a lot more of like a new metal album. But again, because it's, it's just straight evolving. in, like yeah. straight, you know, guitar, drums. But there's not a lot of like high concept songwriting. Yeah, the layers like, aren't yeah. even there. It's just, you know, straight from the gut, man. Yeah. Would you say fucking Rick Rubin played piano on this? On that song Needles on the piano part? That's Rick Rubin? I didn't even think of that, but. That's what I was oh, thinking. Yeah. So Shreen, you told me, I was like, you mean like this part right here? That, other than that, I mean, there's like not very many. There's three additional players, Mark Mann, Arto. Uh, I'm not even going to try that. That's crazy <laughs> his name. Uh, but he did, Arto did additional vocals and some music. Uh, Mark did string arranging, conducting, and additional string writing. And then Rick Rubin played piano. And then you have the rest of the members filling out the rest with Surge doing pretty much the most when it comes to you know, vocals, keyboards, guitar, s- string arrangements. You know, Darren's also the other head writer of the group. Yeah, so, so they are sharing this album in writing sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think this is becoming more of Sir, like, because Darren, I think, probably had more, I don't know. Well, I, but Darren's the first. one that pulls away in the end. Darren kind of pulls the songwriting and takes all the memorize, all the hypnotize, 
at the end. Darren. So at the, the ones yeah, that they he was taking write, everything, yeah. but he was saying Surge was not interested anymore. Well, I think they both wanted to go different ways, but I, yeah. I'm not sure what their internal conflicts were. But as far as lyrics go for this album, the only songs that they did not write or have a shared writing credit on are going to be Jet Pilot X, Bounce, Forest, Science, Shimmy, Toxicity, Psycho. Every other song on this album has a shared writing credit between the two. But all the ones that are not are all... It could be from anywhere. It doesn't exactly say. Ah. Like, um, for the music credits, at least, like uh, Jet Pilot goes to um, Darren and Shavo. Well, they say, like, after a while, it's that whole same old story about rock and roll where one person in the band, after a while with fame starts getting paid more than anyone else because they wrote the lyrics, they wrote the song. So therefore they get more because well, it's if, the only thing that you can actually copy. If, you if can't this do that with a drum beat. The situation where Darren's writing majority of the music, you know, and that, or even hits or whatever. And then Serge is getting the recognition because he's the front man. Yeah. We're just get, helping with those lyrics. Or providing mm. his little twist. Cause you know, it's unique. He you has know, a crazy yeah. singing pattern. Exactly. He has a very he's, unique, uh, Singer for sure. You so can't he, replace him very exactly. easily. He makes him valued and yeah. like sought after when it comes to like you want to hear more of it and just all that. So if he's getting a lot of that fame and then Darren's kind of like, you know, it could be that. I don't One of yeah. those types of situations. I mean, so <laughs> when they first, before this album even came out, what was it like six months prior that they had that just a giveaway to all their fans because they made it this far. You know what I mean? Because it was really the fans that just kept buying their stuff and requesting them and showing up to the shows and really turning them into headlining X. They have a diehard fan group. And um, so they did that whole free promotion, like kind of give the album away for free in 2001 at a park or something in New York. I'm not really sure where it was at. Yeah. Well, is that a, it's in a parking lot. They wanted to play a free show had a parking lot and give away um, the album Toxicity. Ta- Tower Records so, was it? I thought it, was, uh, it really uh, just it says like, right? parking lot. Oh. So I mean, they plan to launch the album free concert in Hollywood as a thank you to the fans. The concert was supposed to accommodate three thousand five hundred, but an estimated seven thousand to ten thousand fans it showed up. Didn't work out that way. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So because of the large excess number of the fans performance was canceled by police officers so just before the group took the stage they just came up and tore down the banner without letting the crowd know without letting the band go up and try to smooth things over or calm anybody down and basically started a riot and in that riot the fans stormed the stage and destroyed approximately thirty thousand dollars worth of equipment thirty thousand dollars yeah, uh, their fans just destroyed their, their equipment yeah, that yeah. they need to perform the show that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Don't get mad at them. So they're throwing rocks at police officers. Just get that My drums, yeah. And yeah. it ended up with uh, about six hours worth of riot with only six arrests made. But because of that, System of Down was supposed to play a scheduled in-store performance the next day. That was canceled. also canceled Burr. to prevent a similar riot. Fucking buzzkill. But, I mean, when you think about the lyrics... And like the themes of this album, I think it's pretty damn ironic that all this goes on, you know, like uh, uh, it's pushing little children with their fully automatics, you know, and the cops show up and shut this thing down. I, I just think that some would say crazy. like the things that they talk about in the album, the concepts 
that they go on, like the visions, everything, the prison, all the needles, the drugs. Uh, so a lot of that, the pollution was like, people kind of talked about it then, but it wasn't like something that we're all talking about. And think about how it is right now. And that this album in so like in a really bad way, those themes like hold up even more so nowadays. Yeah. With their concepts of the uh, over-maximized prison or over-filled prisons and shit yeah. like that. But they were almost like looking into the future because they were looking at it at all at once and being like, this is kind of how we see it's going to like go and downfall. And in the sense, it was kind of like very clever and it holds up in a very sad way, not just musically, but like the concepts. You know well, what I mean? think it's a good point to, you know, uh, a minority in America and especially before this album exactly. and then after this album with everything that came up, you know, after September 11th, like, it, and what, this is September 4th. They so got very Muslim sounding names. Like they just, they seven had that days look, later. Right? Yeah, so they're Armenian. Yeah, Armenian exactly. Americans. So plus there are a band called system of a down. Like this seems like a terrorist group, but that was in 2001 even more. So, and so that, you know, that is yeah. seven days after the album drops, this happens. And then yeah. oh, they get God, hit with so. all kinds of things. So, like, in 2001, the Clear Channel Memorandum, which followed the September 11th attacks, Clear Channel Communications, now iHeartMedia, the largest owner of radio stations in the United States, critically or circulated an internal memo containing a list of songs that the program directors felt were lyrically questionable to play after the attacks. The lyric in question for a system of a down was, I don't think you trust in my self-righteous suicide. Oh, really? That's what they're fucking... Let's, let's talk a little bit about that fucking shit. How they literally would do, like, not do Knocking on Heaven's Door by uh, Guns N' Roses, but would still play the Bob Dylan one. Why would you take one off instead of the other? Multiple occasions they do that with uh, covers that they would take the the cover song off the original off and not the one mm. that was just as uh like listened to uh, songs and songs uh, so many things and the bands is like three doors down is on it like 311 yeah acdc has so many fucking songs which is ridiculous because it's like shoot to thrill mm. <laughs> shot down in flames it's like oh like because i hear this and what has tragically happened it's gonna cause me to like Physically break down. I don't remember like, the radio at that time because no, I wasn't listening yeah, to it. Fuck no. is about but radio. I'm sure if I was listening to the radio, course, you know? good the Bengals shit just walk went like to like the, uh, walk like an Egyptian. I mean, things just went to shit at that. Like you don't well, want to yeah, be a radio you're talking listener. About the government list. beginning the whole prying eye moment. You know, you're what, talking what about the, the Patriot Act. You're talking about a loss of a lot of freedoms due to people thinking. You know, what's it called? Clear Channel. Memorandum. Memorandum. Yeah, a memo. So it's not a law. It's not anything like that. What you have is, you know, the largest radio company in the world. Known as iHeartMedia. Yeah. Today. Sending out a memo to all their people inside saying, hey, we're not playing these songs because of this. So stupid. A lot of Beatles songs. Just like two Black Sabbath songs. More Beatles songs than Black Sabbath. This is fucking... All, all this shit is crazy. Like, I can't believe there was even a thing, but we were at a scary time in this whatever moment in our nation. And yeah, I kind of well, get it, but it, it seems so ridiculous to try to censor things, to try to please the the public. Like, this only makes things worse in my mind. 
which why why bands like System of a Down, why bands like Rage Against the Machine were fucking so big, you know what I mean? Because it was like, I love someone actually like really not listening to the media, like not like giving giving you this kind of like hard fact reality, kind of like how rap was in that time, like telling you how it was, you know what I mean? In yeah, a way. Regardless right, of whatever like, iHeartRadio is doing, you know, you have MTV that is playing that damn video on loops. <laughs> so and MTV then, didn't know, give a fuck. Well, that's how I got Brilliant. into them, you know, yeah. was straight from MTV. Was it that Toxicity music video? Or the Chop Suey, I mean? It was one of those. I think Chop Suey was their first. Any of the uh, ones. Yeah. The first like single. Those on repeat. And then, you know, even with all the controversy surrounding Chop Suey and, you know, the album in general... They still earned a Grammy nomination, you know, still yeah, received aerials, consistent, right? constant airplay in the United States all throughout the late 2001, 2002, um, Toxicity, Aerials, and Chop Suey. Uh, and in May 2006, VH1 listed Toxicity as the number 14 slot in the 40 greatest metal songs of all time. So, like... It, I mean, you can dwell on all the see, bad yeah, things that happened there. Sure. But, like, as far as, like, you know, praise and all the alkalides that this album really had, man, I mean, it is, without a doubt, it's on so many people's, you what know, did Rolling Stone give greatest it? metal albums of all time. Um, I'm not sure what Rolling what Stone What did Pitchfork went. give it? See, Rolling Stone gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Oh, you got, bitch, Rolling Stone. You got um, Pitchfork giving it an 8.2 out of 10. I know Pitchfork would be Praying, right 5 See, out of 5. I feel like a lot See, of that stuff, go. just like with the Devo, that stuff evolves and changes over time. Because, like, if you look like um, Blender, uh, 500 CDs you must own. It's on there. Well, Platinum, Music three Reader, you know, 28th greatest heavy metal album of all time. Um, I mean, dude, the list it's goes iconic. on and on. This and album on. is so fucking iconic. You talk to anyone that doesn't deep dive into music like we do, and they know about this album. They yeah. know they, mm-hmm. it was everywhere. They bought this album. I, everyone I knew had this album. People that don't even listen to metal bought this fucking album. With it's, it was crazy. It was just. It was everywhere. It was in school. Like everyone was fucking listening I mean, to it. You got the, the shirts. Guardian Entertainment I mean, Weekly. Um, you know, they fucking blew up. Revolver, the it's high AV production Club. on those music videos too, by yeah. the way. You know, and was nominated for best metal performance in the forty fourth Grammy Awards in two thousand two. So it it got out there. It got them up and you know poised to take you know a Grammy win later on, and you know all the success that came after that. Which, if you're talking about, you know internal conflicts and band breaking up, stuff like that, you know that has to f- factor into it. But as far as, like, um, <laughs> dude, for real, I didn't mean to, like, just be like, yeah, whatever, I know what you're saying, but let's go on to this. Um, is there any, like, um, fun recording facts we can get into before the next song? Uh, I could. I mean, besides just, like, they recorded at Cello Studios, playing. they <laughs> mixed it at a whole different studios. But they uh, take six months to Enterprise and they master Oasis. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Usually sure it takes that. about six months for most people. It stayed in California as far as the whole production of it. Um, I mean, some other little things that, I mean, they remastered it a few times as far as like different editions, not necessarily in like audio fidelity, but like you got, uh, there's like a special French edition that came out. Dude, I got one. That uh, has like, 
Yeah, there's a DVD blue edition that came yeah, out. Yeah, I got that. I got there's the red year. edition. Um, you know, all those are just containing extra. And again, songs all these albums and, look like the Slayer album. It looks like the Danzig album. If no one knows this about CDs at this time, because you can't do this with the vinyl, well, huh, that's get that. They all look the same. Yeah, American. Yeah. yeah. Dude, so, but like if you're on that label, all I knew is like, damn, dude, hit after hit after oh, hit yeah. band that's coming out. But what I just what I'm wondering is like up. and then that yeah. Oh, is man. some of the stuff like um with some of those like hip hop albums, did they have that same print on Yeah, that was their really? thing. Yeah. So fucking cool. One of the craziest thing I found. I just during, want to collect all those now. Like the researcher was I could not find shit about the recording. Like, I don't know if they had these songs in the can before they went in the studio or if they got in there and workshopped them and developed them so in there. You how, know, it seems like a pretty short time to record for them to just walk in there, bang it out without having them in how, mind. How it feels, and I think maybe this is what they were going for, is that this was going to be a double disc set. Hence why there is like 15 songs. They thought they were going to be well, able they, to like. Put they recorded like a double disc or set. made 30. You know, they exactly. tracked yeah. 30. So that is one of the things. I, I, I know read. you cut back down yeah. and then. Way back. Yeah. And then, you know, the uh, they put some of these out online for free, which I thought they kind of like the Napster days. People kind of stole it. I had a friend that had that fucking mix CD. Yeah. Rare that had these songs down, that came out three <laughs> albums later, which is weird. Like on Steal This Album, which is. Well, that goes back so, to like those. But demos. that's why I was saying They're it was kind of stolen. CDs. It was kind of stolen. By fans, and that's why they named the next album "Steal This Album" because well, they're like funny. No, also but some like of those, it seems you. like they're they supposed to be on toxicity. Like, you know what I mean? You know, and they, they know where they're on getting their money for that reason. And it damn sure isn't from fucking record sales. They make their money from the touring. So they, that's true. They that's honestly, what I've never thought they'd be you know, like mad at their fans. I don't for feel like it was free. like a sarcastic or like you know a hateful I think, thing. I think they're saying straight up, so like, sorry. please steal this album. You know. Don't fucking pay Best Buy for this shit. Steal it. Don't even fucking buy it. Go online and download it. Like, that's how I always took Steal mm. This Album. That's actually, yeah, that's really clever. The name themselves, like, well, their name alone, they stand against the system. Of course, they're just going to give it away for free. They'd be doing, like, free shows all the time if they could. You know? That's what type of band they are. Like, I know they all, like, do this, like, Habitat fucking for humanity, like, you know, charities constantly and going around and helping people. They are definitely those type of folks. But, like, going back to their, uh, I want to say homeland, <laughs> like, but no, I, I've seen them do, like, a lot of charities. Um, yeah. So they are those type of people. And, like, um, I don't even know where the fuck I was going with that. <laughs> but they're, they're kind of, like, these really nice people that um, hmm, they, they, they seem their genuine. They're, they seem... They seem very genuine, yeah, and no one of those bands seems like a bunch of bullshit. Talk about it, they be about it. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, I fucking wow. Until motherfuckers I, get I knocked wish, out. I wish oh. they would just make another album, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. Uh, let's get into another song. Let's get into all of ours. I think this is my favorite song on the album. I don't know, like if I had to pick one, just one, it science. might be science. Oh. Science. Making new possibilities a reality Predicting the future of things we all know Fighting off the disease programming Century, century 
Yeah, I, I think I love Signs so much because I, I always knew what was coming after it because I love Shimmy. <laughs> so not. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy to the break it down. Shimmy is a jam, without a doubt. So the song Signs, y'all were saying, um, getting lyrics-wise is how science fails us. Obviously, that's the main... <laughs> That's the main line in the chorus, right? Yeah, it's more of their, like, break into more spiritual content. And, like, you know, from there, especially in the Stillis album and a lot of their other songs, it's really, it almost seems like they're more, like, Kabbalah-faced, where, like, they really believe in, like, the tree of life and, like, the essential being in religion, you know? And yeah. a lot of that lyric that content feel. is all about science filling the earth and, you know, people needing to be more spiritual, you know? I don't think it's an out-and-out rebuke against science as, like, you know, scientific theory or anything like that. I think it's more of, like, speaking on, you know, people putting too much faith into science and forgetting what makes humans human is the belief in, you know, spirituality, which is really big for them for some reason. Uh, Chris, you have something to... I think the same thing. They remind me of, as well as being like environmental type band, they're a very political band. They get thrown in with rage all the time. You get, yeah, and this conversation is like kind of the same. How is the environmental conversation not the same? It's just a political argument. They're very, they're like an awareness band while also staying like. Like you're saying, like sort of like deep in a religion kind of exactly. I feel like rage especially is like more. Rage is like fucking sitting down and like taking a history lesson. Every single lyric, every single song has something you can reference. I'm to. sorry, y'all. Uh, airplane mode, still not, still not doing it. You gotta get off Wi-Fi, son. But where rage is like, you know, deep dive into history and like especially corrupt history, you know, system a lot of the times breaks down into more like spiritual things. Like there's a few other songs where he's talking about, you know, uh, Mother Earth and well that's science but there's tons of songs on here where they're just really focusing more on like a human essence is spirituality and you it's know kind of like a religion thing you know what I mean yeah and like as far as their political, political stuff anyway. goes like I don't I hate to say it but system always felt like they were more like pseudo political like they spoke on it but not nowhere near as in depth as Rage Against the Machine did yeah. you know what I mean so the names like, were, like, way too similar. Well, yeah, like, and uh, that's yeah, why yeah. a lot of people, you know, lump them all on together. But, like, lyrical content-wise, I think they're worlds apart, you know? Uh, vocal performance-wise, I, I know Zach Delarocha has that fucking, uh, you know, but um, <laughs> Surge can go, I don't know, like you were saying, like, uh -huh. I didn't realize <laughs> that Darren sung so much on the first album. I, I didn't realize how... how all three of them, the the bass player, Serge and um, Darren, all fucking sing like on the album. You see it like bass player doing a lot of those like Roar, like at the end of like Prison some of the Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And um, I had no idea. But that's why uh, System of a Down has a way different sound and formula format than Rage Against the Machine, mm -hmm. which is more funky. This is more tribalism, like more back to the roots and, you know, Again, that song at the end, the pan flutes. But I know this because a lot of my music at the time I loved, you know, Soulfly, System of a Down. All right, well, we just got the uh, 
Justin can't be here any, any longer thing. He has to go, everyone. But uh, thanks, Justin. Thanks Absolutely, for coming guys. in. I know thanks we for always um, sure. try to cut it short, but yeah, there's yeah. so much to say. No, man. you guys enjoy. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We'll end on some final thoughts. Toots, toots, maloots. Yeah. yeah, we can end on some final thoughts. I, Chris, please, I did all this research because we had this conversation prior about Deaf America. And we were like, wait, is this the same as America? Right? When we were talking yeah, about the Danzig yeah. episode yeah, and how yeah. Rick Rubin left That's and right. started his own label, one so of the first he just, bands. He took yeah. Deaf America and just put an in on it and I, dropped the Deaf. I just, I just, I did not. Yeah, I was like, you left Deaf Jams. And this was the main reason. He left Deaf Jams because this was like 1988. Yeah, exactly this time frame of when we were talking about this Danzig album. Leaving that because uh, Def Jams didn't feel comfortable or they didn't want to have Slayer on their label because they mainly do hip-hop and Slayer's fucking Slayer, right? But Rick Rubin and Slayer were connected at that point, so they're not separating each other. And he's like, fuck you. And I'm just, you know, paraphrasing this story. He's like, fuck you, I create my own. Bye, but Justin. use the name, by Justin. Using the name Def, still, like, Def Jams. Well, I'm Def America. Yeah. It's like, okay, like, why keep it so close, especially when it wasn't like uh, a subs. It wasn't like Def Jam gave him I mean, money to go do his own that's thing. That's the best name ever. American what? Records. American that's Records. That's why you so, keep. That's why you did it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has Def Jam America. But he like, also had, like, uh, weird, like the Four Horsemen on it, uh, Master of Reality. Again, why would you ever use the name? Justin's walking through. Uh, why would you ever use the name of a Black Sabbath album <laughs> or a song title? Uh, Wolfbane. I, I feel like I've heard what, some of these. What are you looking for? Name a few. We're recording. You know what's the craziest part that he had on his uh, like label at that time when still being Deaf America? Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. Get diced. Yeah. You get diced. Fucking, um, I just, I thought this was fascinating. That's I wanted cool, to go yeah. in more uh, depth with it. Um, Rick Rubin continues to associate himself with hip-hop groups such as the Ghetto Boys and Sir Mix-A-Lot at the time, having them on his record label, Def Jams, and really, you know, keeping, he doesn't just go straight for metal. You know what I mean? Yeah, this I mean, this Rubin is, we've, about. we talked right. about him last, last but did time. You, when... Yeah, did you know, like, the first big hit that Def America had was the Black Crows' uh, 99 album, or 1990, Album debut with uh, Shake Your Moneymaker. That was the first big hit that they really got big and he started really making some money as this record. I mean, it was a matter of just time before he, you know, it's yeah. one of those like whatever band walked through the door was going to get a big hit. The Counting Crows just happened to be that band. Dude, yeah, it's just the time for it, yeah. to be honest. Um, the weird thing is, it was like we know it as American or just American. Am I saying American this records? I think. Yes, yeah. we know that now, but it was mainly this is the weirdest thing. In like 93, he just had this like, Fucking, he saw the word death in the dictionary and was like, I can't be associated again with this. Like, again, Rick Rubin, in my mind, is like a weird guy because he seems like such a hippie nowadays to me and the things that he said, yeah. <laughs> like in interviews and he's shit totally like this where guy. he sees like the definition of the words and he doesn't want it to be an anti-establishment kind of thing or like he thought it to be establishment and he's more of an act anti-establishment and that's what this whole record label was about it wasn't conforming to other record labels that was this idea but again like in this like kind of hippy dippy trip kind of thing i thought that was funny just dropping that because of that um 
a metal guy that's very, I don't know. He's a weird guy. The things that he does, I'm not sure what he does. Please leave in the comment section below. <laughs> like, you well, can tell me exactly what Rick Rubin does. I mean, he, he did, just a like, guy again, with an ear and an idea. Yeah, he doesn't do much. I mean, like, besides. He's a smart guy. He just Apparently. has the ear. Well, yes. But, like, even if you watch, like, that uh, Shangri-La, that documentary on Rick Rubin on, you know, Netflix. God, not Netflix. It. It's on Showtime. Um, it, fucking on Showtime. It, you know, he, he does just sit there and listen a lot of the time. He's just listening and absorbing it. Yeah, I'm sure he, like, touches some knobs here and there. But, I mean, this album... I mean, I feel like he's not the really. He's the he's the ears guy. He's the producer guy. He's the guy. I with, still feel like he's in there. Like maybe try it like this, y'all, and he's adjusting sound at the point where he knows what it should sound like and how it should flow. The producer in, is in the room. Aspect. Like he's not actually physically on the board because mm -hmm. that is the engineer. He's always standing you know, next to the engineer, right? That there's a well. You have multiple people. You had Andy Wallace mixing, David Schiffman engineering. Greg Collins, another engineer. Darren Mora, another engineer. Shout out Al to all of them. This Sanderson, another engineer. You know, the list goes on with assistant engineers. Shit. Then you got Rich Balmer, mixed down engineer. You know, Eddie Schreier, who's doing the mastering. So they're, Rick Rubin is surely there, but he is not. You know what I mean? I think that's another misconception maybe about Rick Rubin. Not in a bad way, but maybe that he's just inflated. He started off as an engineer. Because, yeah, he's, sure. he's definitely put in his work. He knows how to make. Time. He, he knows but how to get the sound that he's looking for. But I think you know I mean? when people attach his name or see his name attached, they like it. It becomes more of a. Maybe he didn't do as much as is like interpreted. You know what I mean? When I saw Rick, I was like, "Oh, Rick Rubin had to do something with this." Well, he did, but he didn't actually get to the point. Is probably like what he did with Metallica. Or you know what I mean? You know, we have to start doing episodes on just people like or this. Or Danzig, you, you know, know what I mean? mean? Like, We can really sit here and deep dive. Yeah. Like, I gave just a fraction of the story of how deaf America happened, why it turned to America, why there even is this label and those fucking iconic CDs in my mind when I was a kid. But there, the story goes on. You know, the story yeah. still goes on to this day. That's what, yeah, he's still putting a, he's, he himself as Rick From Rubin, the Metallica to the Danzig to this, this yeah. it's like we're tattering a story based for like a 10-year period. Yeah. 2001 to 1988, you know what I mean? Like 13 years. And still keeps going with more stuff after this yeah. album, for sure. And, and in, that, in that doc, too, he does have a litany of people underneath him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's legend. An, an army of people point, that, you know? you know, he's not in the room setting up the mic. No, he has, like, interns for this shit. Yeah, it's like, I'm working for Rick Rubin. That's all that matters. Yeah. It'll be exciting, to be honest. But, but he's he's in the back listening to it, giving, like, final thought. Being a producer role, that's like, you know, when it's, I mean, Serge got co-producer role. So Darren oh, is yeah, they, main producer along with Rick. So they have oh, overall wow. so say. They're um, just sitting there, like, really coming up with this sound all together. I, I'm sure Rick Rubin's just there to kind of like... He's the technical guy. If they like, need him, you know? Like, let them figure I, it out. But if you need me, I have opinions yeah. too. I can show you how to make this heavier. I can yeah, show you how exactly. this part is going to like come right. through really well. I, I'm pretty like, sure Rick Rubin's not a type of guy. And look, when, if we ever do an episode on him, because I'd be really curious on his like work process, if he's like, a, he's like hard to work with, if he's like someone that's like, no, this is how you should do it, and not taking any like pushback from the band when they think there's something better... 
But I feel like he just gives people a lot of room to like make their music and he's there to help. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's just kind of there to be like, okay, I, I, I picked you guys for a reason. There's a reason why I'm working with you because I, there's something fascinating. Look at his track uh, list, like the, the associated artist. Everyone is amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, the Beastie Boys, like yeah. their most iconic album, Paul's Boutique. It was fucking Rick Rubin was there. You know, it's like, we have to do an episode of this Like guy. sometimes the but, producers will step in, you have him playing piano and then same with like the Black Album, right? I think the producer or engineer did some bass lines, on, like pretty much played the bass yeah, to the whole Black Album. Yeah, kind of weird. So, I mean, there are times where like, well, sure, producer, let's have the, produ- this music works. have the engineer yeah, or the, the producer step in because somebody's out of it. Uh, another interesting thing about the album, the artwork, it's actually done by like the band. They're like the, like not the actual, again, they are, there's people underneath them, but the band, uh, Shavo had uh, art direction and album concept. And then um, the drummer, uh, John, did uh, all the collage art. Oh. So like you know, while there you know, there's other people, you know, doing various things, photography, actually taking the photo. Right, but it's the band that's doing the, the the actual concept, the collage part, the art direction. You know, they yeah. have a big cre- they hand have their, in that. Uh, a, a very shared vision. They all were kind of thinking <clears> the same <throat> thing when they started this band for sure. But and that's interesting that those two get they get art direction. Surge and Darren get music direction. They get the yeah. they get the image I mean, direction. Yeah, being bass player and drummer, like we know how to. You like get to pick of, the yeah. album cover and all that, and go we through. Kind of know how the thing. We're gonna write the music. Hence us being. Yeah. There. But uh, getting back to this, I mean, this album. I mean, for final thoughts, it's just listening to it again. Every song's a fucking banger. It's heavier than all yeah. balls, dude. Everything is right where it needs Heavy, to be. And nothing flows is, well. Yeah. Songwriting There's is not a great. song I want to skip, really, besides for maybe some of the songs that are a little overplayed, like Toxicity or Chop Suey, just because... The, Even like, then, if you my, listen my, to them... My radio him, station at the time... It's been a long time since every, I've listened to them, and I listened to them recently, but, and it was like, you know, hearing them, trying to, like, listen for... It's like watching a movie you've seen a thousand times. You try and just hear or pick something new out of it it's like what well, i was trying um, to do so i work uh at my job oh, a lot sure, of karaoke yeah, so there, and yeah. a lot of people try this shit on karaoke and it's i have a karaoke app on my phone and toxicity is like one of the songs that you yeah, can like yeah. sing along and it's just like i wish i had there were songs off the first album that you had on here that i could sing along to but that's how, how big how this became that that's how co- so commercialized that he's it's singing so fast on that pop. song you how don't even have to know metal to know this like, that's yeah that's hard how why <laughs> why is your breathing <laughs> like try to control it man yeah i know um i was surprised about it too i tried it and i deleted the recording right mm-hmm. away no one should ever hear that uh-huh. um you want to know one more fun fact about the um the whole death america is that he had a funeral for the name so when it was going to change he like had a funeral for death america and he had al sharpton come out <sighs> That's what I'm talking about. That kind of shit where I'm like, this guy. <laughs> like, who does that? Uh, sorry, I just, I was looking over at the notes and I was like, oh yeah, I read that last night. I was like, I know it was a mock funeral, but still it's, I don't know. He's a weird guy. Mm. Uh, this album's fucking amazing. So many more things. Again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. So they're still playing nowadays? 
Are they? I think the because I know so two thousand and six. You asked me if I saw them. I remember seeing them at like the last Ozfest I was at was two thousand six, and they were like I think the headlining performer. I think Sabbath was before them. Uh, I can't really tell you if I that's think right or not. They're playing these huge festivals where they're like you know. That's I mean? when they were in like, argument though. They were like I could tell like their stage performance because I watched videos prior, watched DVDs, but yeah. when I saw them live, it wasn't like that. And it felt like there was even a lot of bickering on stage when I saw them. And I'm fucking 17 or something. And I could tell that from the lawn seats at the San Antonio fucking Verizon wireless fucking amphitheater. There's, there's and a it lot just of wasn't as fun as I thought them to be. When I saw them live, I think, I, I can't remember if I saw them twice. It will come back to me. I'm just kind of tired. I came back from practice earlier. Um, it just wasn't what I expected. We were talking about how like much energy they always had on stage and th- how crazy they were. And the songs, and when I saw them, they were very laid back and I didn't really care for it too much. And I was like kind of over it and ready to go home, which is kind of sad. And But this is, that's their last tour, is that Ozfest tour. So it's like one of the last yeah. performances they ever did until 2010, I believe, coming uh, back together for some shit. But then 2015, uh, I think. So there's like again. a set on here from 2018. Yeah, I think they're just going so around still, nowadays. Like, as I mean, playing they're playing one-off festivals, yeah. big it's, events. Rage did that for like one festival. I think they're thing. doing it more p- periodically than Rage is doing. Like Rage, like did it. Yeah, stopped. And, and the story is, is like uh, it was just Surge. I and think fucking, um, they're doing. They were doing the Tool yeah. thing. Like Tool was still heavily playing shows. Well, well after. yeah. It's well, like well, you should be in the studio right now recording. What are you doing playing? What like are a you show? doing here? They're, every six months they would come yeah. to here. I was yeah. like, what? Why? You need to be doing no, but that's like what System of a Down does. They're just like, hey, we're gonna coast on our success. Yeah, yeah I mean it's enough success they, to definitely coast on. They could sell out yeah. a fucking show if they wanted to. <clears> like if they came to maybe. I don't. The, I don't know what the qualifications are, but you know they may also, at some point, be in the sort of rock and roll hall of fame thing, if they can get nominated and sort of like break into that pantheon without even releasing another album, it's still playing live. Amazing. That's yeah. pretty fucking only five albums under their belts. Yeah. Um, I think rage against the machine is four cover album. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so, saying they would ever like do that rock and roll hall of fame thing, but just, I'm saying in that sort of, they would break that sort of, uh, Bear, that milestone. If you, it's like kind of feels like they they're gonna get there for sure. They're gonna get introduced uh, at some point for this. Uh, again, this album's only eighteen years old. Yeah, wait for the twentieth year marker and how things change. I want to hear. You know I, mean? I want to see That's another remaster or like, yeah, it's gonna be a definitely special edition box set. Because there's no extra songs. Where's I know where's all those even? Demo songs. I think the first album has a bonus edition. Yeah, the bonus. First yeah. album had a second disc. Yeah, they like, got some hidden shit, and maybe they didn't want to put it out because they're just that type of band that's like, I'm not going to put out any just random bullshit. You know? So um, I'm glad they're still together. I'm glad uh, Surge and fucking, what's his, what's his name? Darren. Darren figured their shit out because I know it did go back and forth in conflict for a while. Yeah. Did you? And, I mean, I, there was a crazy story. I mean, I'm sure they had their own thing, but Darren uh, got into a fight with the drummer and the. Bass player Surge were like, oh, okay, well, this is the end of the band. They were fighting, physically fighting in the Whoa. studio, and the guitar player had hit him, hit the drummer uh, over the head, Shit, over the player. head with a stand, and like bashed his head in. 
And the so, drummer killed him? Well, they ended up both having to go to the hospital and they were getting stitches right, you know, bedside next to each other and they were just like laughing about it. Like it's one of those things where like, sure, there's a bunch of turmoil and even down to like uh, straight up yeah. bashing somebody with a stand. But in the end, you know, what they're next to each other, like this is gonna be one of the greatest stories of our band ever. You know what mm. I mean? Like this story right here. So what about before we go, <laughs> what about that story with Mastodon and how like I guess System of Down's winning an award and Mastodon is fucking pissed. Oh. So Bren is like backstage <laughs> drunker than all fucking hell and is like said some shit. I'm just I I'm just like go look up the story yourself. You can find it. But uh Bren was talking shit to the bass player of System of Down. Oh, and uh, the bass player's friend was there and he was like, fuck you, man, and I guess punched Bren right in the fucking face. Bren falls back, hits his head on a corner of fucking some stage fucking <clears> mounting. <throat> Goes into a coma for like three months. And when he wakes up, he says, I have this idea for an album. Hence the crack the sky. And again, I, I heard this on like all this rock and roll news and kind of like did more research when I heard about the story and when it happened. But um, that's kind of crazy. And when I tell this story, most people don't actually know what I'm talking about. I was like, yeah, he was in a coma for three months because he fucking fell back and hit his head. Mm-hmm. And if you ever met Brent, he's a fucking drunk. Like, yeah, he's a drunk. And he was like, fuck, system of a down. Because I could see how Mastodon yeah, is mean, not a Mastodon's fan of the system of a down. technically the metal. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think they're a new metal-loving band. I see that. I'm sure they were totally against it. It's kind of like the Rage Against Machine with, like, the Lincoln or the uh, Limbiscuit And the drummers up there on the high rise are oh, just, yeah, like, yeah. shaking it, yeah. You don't know what real music is. Yeah, that's it. Kind of feels like the same story in a way. Uh, I there was something I was watching on Mike Patton, and he was like at a festival, and like Wolf Mother's playing in the background. Oh my like, god! I what saw that. in the hell? What yeah. is? <laughs> he was talking mad shit <laughs> yeah. about Wolf Mother. I was like, and damn. Same with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, he I've does seen not him talk like the Red Hot Chili Red, Peppers. Like, yeah. <laughs> talk some mad shit on. Yeah, that. well, fuck the Red Hot Chili Peppers. All their songs are the fucking same. Listen to a Faith No More. Listen to a Mr. Bungle. Listen to any of his projects are way more fucking interesting than any. Yeah. Fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. Come at me, bro. Come well, at me on the streets. there goes our album anniversary for <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, if anyone was wanting that. I'll do it, but I'll sit there and I'll try to find ways to love it. I liked it when I was younger. There's no reason not to like some of those songs. A good song's a good song, baby. Yeah. And for this album, every song's amazing. If you haven't listened to this entire album, go on and listen to it. Listen to it all the way through. Like, don't skip around songs. No, Just put it on. It's from great the all the way through. Yeah, put it on, like, from the start and let it roll, baby, because this is... If you haven't heard this album, it's one of those things that are definitely going to go down in history as one of the best albums ever made. Not just metal, mm-hmm. not just it, it, music. Some of the best music that was ever created. You know what I mean? Definitely throw that in the fucking, that giant time capsule to be dug up a million years from now. You know? Put that one in there. All the albums that we ever did a review on, put every single one of those in there. Send them to space for aliens to listen to and know something about us. And I, I really do like this episode because, again, this is well rounding out to our Metallica, Danzig, and yeah. then we're kind of Continues like the Rick here. Rubin yeah. story. So. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, you know, uh, James was probably, like, there when they were recording. Oh probably not. <laughs> just hanging out. I was like, I can do backing vocals. No, I can just he's probably way away from this band. <laughs> Maybe not. But, okay, so we're not going to end it on one of the popular songs no. because Deep I... Cut. Yeah, because everyone heard those, and I was thinking, what's uh, what's another fun song? And 
something that we love and keeps this album very alive in our minds, not just these songs that you heard on the radios, but songs like this is why we still love this album. So we're going to go with Shimmy Baby to the to Break, the break of, dawn. of Dawn. Fuck yeah. Thanks, everyone.